Oh, here we go, gang. We're talking about the middle child of the PlayStation 1 Square RPG era. Oh, it's not quite Cloud, and it's not quite Vivi, but still... We're going to form a three-person party like it's 1999. We're talking about Final Fantasy VIII. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to your new favorite show, The More You Nerd. My name is Drew, and this week we are returning to another game that made us as we talk about one of the most important games in our uh, that they sort of formed us as gamers and in weird ways, kind of also as people. And this one's going to be tough. This one is. Well, it's not going to be tough, but this one I have promised Miles that I am not going to talk about the the game just prior to this game much. It's going to come up. I've already apologized. But in the meantime, we're talking about Final Fantasy VIII, 1999's Final Fantasy VIII. And I've already mentioned his name. I can't do this alone. The biggest Final Fantasy VIII fan I know. Miles, how are <laughs> you, man? I'm excited. I, I'm I had such a good time with you last week talking about Link's Awakening and what it meant to you. And I think it's more fun to talk about some of these these things and what they mean to us than it is to review them itself. And this is a subject this week's game. Final Fantasy VIII is a subject I have long avoided on the podcast. Drew has brought it up several times, not ironically. And I am I am weirdly reticent to like talk about things that mean a lot to me. And that sounds weird knowing how hard on, on the sleeve that I am. But there are there are a lot of things that like. I was thinking about this earlier today and like I, I'm a known against most of my friends as like the horror movie guy. And like so everyone likes like, oh, what should we watch for Halloween? And for me, like that kind of thing. Sucks a little bit <laughs> because I mean, Specifically with horror films and, and and even films that like or games that mean something to you, there are things that connect with you on a certain level that don't translate. Like it follows and, and why you love it so much and why. Right. I just so like I was thinking like about that. Because, <laughs> well, no. And, and uh, what's funny to me is like if I think about a little bit about you and the stuff that you like. I, I should never tell you to watch it follows. It's not a movie that you'll enjoy. And there's nothing wrong with you for not liking it, but it's just not a kind of movie that you'll you'll like. And because especially with horror and, and at the same time with RPGs, certain things work with certain people and those it's neither good nor bad. It just it just is. And so you know, when you, I think you, about this, well, game, you're, you're reminding me of something as well with this. And I, I, I'm going to bring it to Star Trek real quick, because I remember in the early days of the Morning Nerd podcast, back when it was just me and Mike, I was dead set on like, oh, I'm going to get Mike to watch Star Trek. This is going to be so much fun. I'm going to show him the best episodes and he's going to get into it and <laughs> we'll be able to share this and da, 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 da. And yeah, it turns out that, um, you know, the best of both worlds, one of the greatest two parters in Star Trek history and one of the most important episodes 
of Star Trek The Next Generation uh, doesn't really have the same impact if it's the fourth episode you've ever seen. Well, I mean, also keep in mind <laughs> that on this very show, that was Mike's movie of the uh, or in Star Trek Into Darkness was Mike's movie of the year, the year it came out. Oh, man, I forgot about that. <laughs> um, a movie that we all very much we liked when it really came out. Loved I, the I week still it, very much like it came out um, and now I absolutely hate. But, uh, you know, uh, it's, things, it's, things change. No, it's no final frontier. I'm sorry. No, you can't even give me a face. It's not the final frontier. That movie sucks. It's also well, not. Speaking Nemesis. of things that suck, let's talk about Final Fantasy VIII. Oh, are I'm you just kidding? I'm kidding. So, so this is so, something. And, well, it, well, I, I want actually want to address this because this is something, and, and part of the reason I didn't really want to talk about it that much on the show beforehand is growing up. I was always under the impression that this game was hated by everybody. Because the people that I was around had always talked pretty badly about the game. And it wasn't until I was, I mean, I want to say past college where I kind of discovered internationally this game is very well loved and respected, especially in Japan. And I, I, I kind of looked around I'm like, oh, this must have just been the area that I grew up in because I, I never saw that. The people around me especially hated eight because it wasn't seven. Yes. And part I mean, of it, that's accurate. That is the reason why. But I think that I think that's a a bad I think I think it's a bad measurement stick. So so well, there's there's more to it than it just not being seven. And I think we need to to discuss the the, the release of Final Fantasy seven. And again, I have promised this is not going to be an episode where we just compare Final Fantasy seven and Final Fantasy eight for the entire yeah, episode. here we are. <laughs> but there are things that Breaking we have the promise already. But there are things that, that, <laughs> that we have to discuss as part of, as part of of this game. So so when it comes down to it, Final Fantasy seven was the first Final Fantasy game that arguably most American players and players in the Western world, as far as JRPGs are concerned, turn-based RPGs, it was the first one that everybody played. Absolutely. The people that tell you that they, they cut their teeth on Chrono Trigger are full of crap. Yeah. And if they said they, they cut their teeth on Final Fantasy 3 slash 6, also full of crap. Those games sold okay. They were not massive games back in the day. I'm fairly certain that the first time I played Final Fantasy VI from start to finish, I know I played Chrono Trigger using a Super Nintendo emulator on a computer, which me too, which sucked uh, because yep. because the the music was all slowed down. The first time I played Final Fantasy VI for real and got really into it, I'm fairly certain was the Final Fantasy Anthology Edition that came out on the PlayStation that included some like CG FMV graphics and things like that. Um, that came out in October of 1999. What came out in September of 1999 was Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> so... It's wild, which you know, it's it's wild because like I remember seeing the the some of the commercials for Final Fantasy VIII, which had some of the CGI FMVs, and I mean they, I mean you can't even argue this. They are they're worlds beyond what Final Fantasy VIII was offering, or Final Fantasy VII was offering. Yes. Like the the actual CGI cutscenes, and to this day, still look phenomenal. 
And, and yes. And, and the music score is actually, it's not just MIDI. It's got orchestrations and, mm-hmm. and they had, they had, they had taken that time to, to, to up the music game. It's still Nobu Matsu, uh, who's, who's made this music, but he's not relying on like synth keyboards and things like that. He's got like songs that have a choir singing fake Latin in the opening moments. Like I mean, it's not fake Latin. It's Latin. It's just, it's nonsense. Yeah. It's well, I mean, it's, uh, that's what I meant by fake Latin. It's, it's, it's gibberish Latin. It's supposed to have some meaning, but it does. The grammar doesn't work or something like that. I, I meant no, to, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I took Latin uh, in high school. So I remember being like, Oh, this this doesn't now this I mean this translates, but not the way they think it does. <laughs> so 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 the so the reason I bring up Final Fantasy VII is that Final Fantasy VII was huge. It was a huge, huge success. I mean, we on this podcast just a couple weeks ago talked about uh, uh the the release of the second part of the super super huge final fantasy seven remake story like it's it's a huge game that was important to a lot of people myself included but here we are so that game came out in in 1997 here we are in 1999 and we have final fantasy eight the next big game after square has cracked the world open with final fantasy seven so and jrpg back to my house in 1999 and so at this time i was never able to sleep very well so a lot of times i'd be playing games we had we had a room that we dubbed the playroom that was kind of uh, sequestered for like you know we had a tv in there with our game systems and our you know closet with the action figures and everything and it was connected to my room so I was able to, you know, kind of sneak off in the middle of the night and and play video games or watch TV. And because I I, I had insomnia, I mean, that that's. I was never diagnosed with anything, but I couldn't sleep. And the only thing that could kind of calm me down was when I played games. And so I had a demo. For Final Fantasy eight, I had played the demo for seven and I didn't understand it. Like, I, I did not grow up playing RPGs. Like, I mean, I, I skipped the SNES generation because, as I said last week, I was a Sega kid. And while Sega had RPGs, they weren't of a consequence that I really cared about. So it wasn't until this era and I hear about Final Fantasy VII and I play it and I don't get it. I mean, I, as a kid, I don't get it. And so I, I, I bypassed it. I was like, it's fine, but it's not for me. And then I see a commercial for Final Fantasy VIII, and I'm riveted. And we get a demo for it because at the time, and this is a weird, this is a weird period because like I don't have a job, I'm not, I don't drive, so I'm not buying games when they release. And in fact, like I don't hear about games unless I I read it from a a game magazine. Yeah, which, and which Drew, I would <laughs> imagine you were kind of the same way. Oh yeah, I have subscribed to Game Pro. And I subscribed to Electronic Gaming Monthly, EGM. And I started doing that in the pri- just prior to the N64 launch. Uh, so the PlayStation 1 was already out, but I didn't have one yet. And, uh, uh, you know, so they were still covering some of the late Super Nintendo era, just 
yeah i don't subscribe mm-hmm. to that like i mean i oh, remember yeah. i remember egm's final fantasy 7 cover was phenomenal i remember that i remember, I, I remember magazines covering final fantasy 8 because i got really excited about that game for the the way they were they were marking that game looked phenomenal and the game the way the game looked in i mean in retrospect was also phenomenal but i want to say that i i didn't get it for my birthday because it came out on february 11th 1999 and well, i want to say that that was the japanese release so it right. would have been september uh for North right America. i want to say i got it for christmas and I feel like I got it, I got it for Christmas along with the guide that I didn't use that much, but I just like looking at the pictures. But that's what we used that to Christmas. do. That's what we used to do back then, dude. Like, yeah, the 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 guides the like the 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 official guides would have like because they'd be like they'd be bigger than a magazine. It wouldn't be eight and yeah, a half and by I eleven. It'd be that. like I, I just I looked at the pictures. <laughs> And, and it would have just some some of the because they'd be official art in ways that you hadn't seen it before. Like, oh, it's mm-hmm. so cool because it was it was often like Prima. I think that was doing those Prima or Brady games, like, either one of the two. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, this game was I mean, look, no matter what anyone tells you, this game was a massive hit. Like this game was well received by critics. It grossed one hundred fifty one million dollars in its first day of release in Japan. So no matter what anyone tells you, this game was a huge hit. It was the fastest selling Final Fantasy game until Final Fantasy 13, uh, which didn't come out until uh, the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 era. And that also came out on multiple platforms, not just one Sony PlayStation platform. So you can't say that this game did not do well because it definitely did. Well, and, and and that's the weird thing is, is a lot of people that I encountered in my life tried to make it sound like it didn't. But we also didn't have access to the information that we have now. But for me, I was I wasn't a loner kid, but I was a lonely kid. Like I spent a lot of weekends just kind of playing games by myself in that room. Uh- and look, I was I was an only child. I get that. <laughs> I get all of that. Well, and the wild thing is I was an only child. My, my brothers cared. I mean, not that they didn't care more, but they, they were more interested in playing outside with other people. And I just wasn't I wasn't wired that way yet. And but I was also a sensitive kid. And it, this was the game that. Because keep in mind, I grew up in the South. I grew up in the American Southeast and it's a, especially in South Carolina, it's a weird place to grow up in, especially in the eighties and nineties. Um, because no matter how you feel about, uh, societal gender norms in the eighties and nineties, it was a certain way. And when you weren't a certain way, you felt out of sorts. And this game is openly, I mean, and square since then has, has openly said, this is a, a young adult, story this is a ya romance story yes and which i which and looking at that i i know how much you love those types of stories and i wanted to talk right. to you about that <laughs> but i didn't know that then and and i didn't even know that i was going to like this game because turn-based combat was still kind of a mystery to me and so i i get this game for christmas and 
I am I am very very excited. I don't I don't start playing it until that evening after you know everyone's gone to bed because for some reason that was like my time. Like it's always been my time is like after everyone's gone to bed, and I open up this game and I don't care what anyone says. The opening of this game is is tremendous. You have one hundred percent. It absolutely is. This uh, incredible like opening cutscene that so i i have to i have to pause because i again i have to talk about this game because this game as much as i make fun of miles for liking final fantasy 8 most i love final fantasy 8 it's not which is fine like i I mean i mean you we we're friends that that's what we do i'm okay with that like there were people that i grew up with that that was not the way they were making fun of me sure You're like and, you make fun of me because you know oh this is my friend and he loves this thing i'm gonna tease him for it that's and, a whole different thing and 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 th- but this is also i think where some of the criticism whether deserved or undeserved of final fantasy 8 comes from in that final fantasy 8 is markedly different than 7 in a lot of ways so 7 is a game if you look at that the characters like like they're like weird rectangles with pointy bits on screen when they're walking yeah. around. I mean, well, cause it was initially designed to be an N64 game. Yeah. But you look at final fantasy eight and they're like, I mean, it's PlayStation one, so they don't look great, but they look but at, way, the t- at the time, at the, but at the, at time, the time it was next level. But at the time it was next level. These are characters that were like, th- these are the care. These are the first time in this game that final fantasy characters were from top to bottom, like normal human size and shape. If that is a sentence that makes sense. Seven had a little bit of that in some of the cutscenes in the battle, but this, the, this is every moment that they're on screen. They look like normal people. The other side of that was, but because of that, Everything else in the in the way that this game is built is just phenomenally better. There are more textures and polygons in all of the fights. The 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 CG cutscenes just look phenomenal. The and backgrounds I, are tremendous. And I'm going to tell you, Miles, I I I like the intro to Final Fantasy VIII. I like it. But mm-hmm. what gets me? The one that gets me, and it's probably because this was what was featured on that demo disc that came with Brave Fencer Musashi on the PlayStation yeah, 1. Yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, I also played that demo disc <laughs> a lot. <laughs> uh, uh, what was, was the, so, so to, we should probably talk a little bit about the story of Final Fantasy VIII because otherwise this is not going to make sense. Um, Final Fantasy VIII takes place at uh it opens up at the garden uh balum garden I mean, specifically say military harry potter that's, yeah that's it, what it's, it it, yeah it's basically military harry potter uh the you are it, what you are you a character the game <laughs> yeah you're a character named squall who is uh training to be a seed capital s capital d they've never explained what that means uh but that's just what it is uh, no but, they do at some point uh I, i'm blanking now because i've had way too much wine um i couldn't but, find it if they did uh, i don't think it's official if 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 uh if they did anywhere but i've I'm, no one has time for me to look through my one of my hardcovers <laughs> that i have here I've got, I've got a couple of them so, but but anyway so so you are squall and you are about to take your 
seed exam to effectively graduate from the school and become a full-fledged seed member, which are basically teenage mercenaries that your old mm-hmm. that that your sweater wearing old man headmaster hires out to the highest bidder on the planet. Um, <laughs> this game has some really messed up stuff in it. <laughs> no, it, it does. Like the more, the, the, that's what I love about it. Is the older you get, I'm, I'm like, I, I'll do a playthrough. I'm like, this game is. Game's dark, <laughs> and this like, is the older I get, the darker this game gets. And this is before the game gets into the real weird stuff. That I'll be honest, yeah. in doing research, it's been a long enough time since I've played this game to the end that I did not remember some of the stuff that happens in this game. But uh, <laughs> we may or may not talk about that because, again, we with some of the stuff we like to be a little, a little spoiler hesitant, just because you know well, you might want to. We're talking more about the impact about these games yeah so so but i i say that to to set up that you go through and you do a couple of things and and you get your first uh guardian force which we will talk about guardian forces because we have to but after that you get sent on your your kind of final exam which is basically a combat mission going into to defend this country that has hired you from this other country that's invaded them it's going down I'm yelling timber and 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 as part of this you you start on this little tiny little like hydrofoil boat thing <laughs> yeah and, and 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 as this starts this music kicks in and like you're getting you're, you're on the ship and you get the 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 whole rundown of what you're supposed to get what you're supposed to do and you you're introduced to your team which is you know this person this person and uh and and as this and and then the cutscene kicks in and it's just this soldier looking out over the on the beach looking out over the water and you just see in the distance the all the ships of all these seed candidates coming in and you see squall sort of popping up out of the out of the thing and you see the wind whipping his hair back and then he ducks back down and then all you know there's cannons that are firing and the boats are you know juke it back and forth and then the boats sort of land and they have this sort of tri-pronged like opening that they all open up as they hit the water like a weird d-day invasion and then you run out and it's not cg characters at that point it's your characters and you're just on the beach and you're fighting and you're ready to go and it's like that is like this rules this rules i love this <laughs> and 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 especially because, again, we have to talk about the style of this game. Um, this game uses pre-rendered backgrounds, much like a lot of games back in the PlayStation 1 era used. Basically static backgrounds that were done in CG, but were just there to be like the the backgrounds on on the, the you know, the background. Like, what, what am I trying to say here, Miles? Uh they're meant to look good because they were still images that would look better than anything they could render in real time. Right. And, and where, while final fantasy seven had just some exceptional, uh, you know, fantastic, it's got got some very good backgrounds. They took everything they learned from FF seven and just amped it up to the nth degree because they had wild is they, they were developing this game while they were still finishing seven. So this game's development started while they were doing the English language version of seven. So seven was largely done. Uh, 
they were putting the finishing touches. They were adding in the stuff that that would be unique to the American release at that point. But then that, that's when they start the work on eight and and the, the 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 choices they make to make the 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 cast younger than the cast in seven. Uh, the other side of that is that one thing that seven decidedly lacked for the most part was color. There are so many extremely colorful, bright backgrounds in this game. This is a very bright, open game for the most part. Yeah, I mean, well, you also have a a, a variety of locations that you go to and i mean seven is kind of considered more of a cyberpunky kind of dystopian it's like a weird it's like more diesel punk than anything i think yeah like it's 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 it's, it's certainly it's 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 not a bright land and within the world which is never named of final fantasy 8 i mean you have some very bright locations You've got you've got actual cities that you go to. You've got, you've got cities, you've got beaches, you've got underwater, like subterranean cities. You have the moon. You've got you have a <laughs> wide variety of locations to go to. Um, it's not the moon itself, but you're on like a lunar base. Yeah. And and, and that is and that is. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to save my commentary about some of this until until the end, because there is something infinitely sad about final fantasy eight for me because of this but that has nothing to do with the game itself well i I do want to talk about the narrative a little bit because what i was getting to is so as a kid i always felt i was a little bit more sensitive than other boys and in the south that made you uh a so-called sissy um it was it was something i was accustomed to growing up and and I was I mean, I didn't really take that. It didn't hurt me that much, but I, it was something that I've been told. And so I when this game pops out and it's got a character that might be emotionally distant. But is emotional and is open to their feelings and is open to romance. Seeing that as someone who was coming of age was extremely important. Like, yes, like in Merchant Squall's a, a, a he's an emo kid and he's certainly distant at the beginning of the game. I mean, his catchphrase at the beginning of the game is whatever. 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 But as a kid, the way I read that is someone who has is trying to pretend that they are what everyone else is to me as a, as, as someone growing up in the South in the nineties. And and that, and that is a, a, a super interesting take on that because I believe that everyone else has a better read on who Squall is as a person than Squall himself has. <laughs> oh, everyone does. Like even his, his teacher who is like two years older than him, which we're not going to talk about, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> who's also pretty into him like it's yeah i mean it the weird thing about this is like it doesn't go in the harem direction but it easily could have it's like i could see that that if they were making this game in 2020 after i mean it's 2022 now but i'm just using that if they made it today 
after the you know the huge success of the last couple of persona games <laughs> I, I feel oh yeah like, you'd have to choose between selfie and yeah, Christus I, I, and Renoa. like you would you you would make that choice but no this game is about squall and Renoa. and i love the story they tell here and and for me i mean keep in mind i skipped a lot of the snes era as a growing boy so i didn't get to see some of the narrative leaps that gaming made and and that's not to say that sega didn't have some good stuff but i just didn't get to experience a lot of the big ones and i know there were I've jrpgs always, on the genesis but i didn't play a single one of them that that seemed to you be you know i mean at some point i was thinking about this drew we need we gotta play some fantasy star at some point just to do it's, it it's a huge hole in my gaming library that me that too is. and i have access to i think at least three of them i feel like there's the one collection. i feel like there's like the first couple people are like you can skip it and there's one that people are like that's where you really need to start and i gotta look up what that one is but and uh, i know, you know people really love fantasy star online which um, is a whole different which came thing. later yeah but so like i didn't have like a lot of t- a lot of my youth was spent like inserting my own narrative into games like i would play a mega man I would obviously have the manuals, but I would kind of imagine a situation. And in the PS1, obviously, that area has a lot of stuff that's done for you. But for me, this is the game that introduced the idea of an epic romantic fantasy narrative. And I just, I had never experienced that before. And it, I mean, there, there are games that open my eyes to what this, this medium could do because I think Metal Gear Solid was what, 97? I was 98. 98. Um, so I, I had already kind of been blown away about what this medium could do in terms of actual storytelling with the medium, but in terms of role-playing games and and I asked, I guess I should, uh, I should say this. This is the first game that I played, like from start to finish, that was an RPG. Like, I mean, I didn't play Chrono Trigger. I didn't have an SNES growing up. I didn't play Final Fantasy three slash six. I didn't play those games. And then when I when I played the demo for seven, it just didn't land with me because I didn't get it. But for whatever reason, when I watched the the trailers for this game, when I saw the amazing like anime inspired cutscenes that came from it. I played this game. I adapted to the play style because it's still very much a turn-based RPG. It has a very different system, which we're I'm not I don't really I'm not interested in talking that much about. See, I, I am interested in talking about this because this I is I know you are. It's well <laughs> it's it's the most different square RP square JRPG system in that I'll let you finish. And then I want to, I want to talk about this because I have to, because this is like, and and, and that, and that's fine. But I, I remember reading, like, like reading some of the guy, but like also watching this, the the cutscenes and, and reading the, the actual dialogue between the characters and playing this game and feeling like, okay, maybe I'm not that different. Maybe the area that I'm in is the issue. It was the first time I had an, I had a weird awakening that, that hey maybe i'm not the problem because I'm gro- again I- i'm growing I up in galbadia and maybe i need to to be in dale well yeah <laughs> i mean i grew up in the south 
and which for the record and i know people that have listened to the show for a long time i also did miles and i are from the same home state not the same hometown but you know close enough (laughs) Uh, yeah no i'm I'm a little bit further south than you are but not much and so i mean you could probably talk about this i mean you're you're kind of seen in a different light being not the same as everyone else so, so this, up in the south so this is the weird thing for me in that i i was always a huge nerd growing up uh always like i in the fifth grade i dressed in a starfleet uniform to go to the star trek generations premiere and in the six you would have been my if we had met in 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 like as kids you'd be my best friend look man we're making (laughs) up for it now (laughs) no i know we are but like i i would have loved to have hung out with you back then because i needed that friend but but i was so so i was also an only child so i would you know and i had two parents that worked very hard to to provide for me and and they worked you know sometimes weird hours because of the industry they were in um and and you know it was one of those things where not because you know like well, I had a good life growing up I'm not gonna say that I didn't um, oh same but uh but I so at, you know so I was a huge nerd already and then I got into theater <laughs> in the sixth grade I started doing <laughs> plays and so I don't know whether I I so I'll be honest I I don't honestly ever remember being actively bullied. I may have had one experience with with a kid that just took it too far, but I don't even think he was trying to bully me. I think he just didn't know how to be friends because this same kid we would end up talking to all the time after, you know, a thing that happened. So so when it comes down to I just don't know whether if I was if I was getting differently treated, I might have just either I was hiding behind a caricature of myself or I just didn't notice. So that is, that is uh, like, I, I don't know if that's lucky for me or what, but the thing that I will say is that I also had a group of friends that was playing these exact same games alongside me. And that is something so, that, that I would not trade for the world. No, no. And you, and you shouldn't, I I had a couple friends, like uh, specifically like two or three that were like ride or die. And but also I happen to be fairly athletic and (laughs) so anytime there was someone saying something, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like I was Wayne from Letterkenny and I was like picking fights because I wasn't, but I could handle myself (laughs) and I I don't know what it was about this game because outside of the fact that I mean, I I love the story. I love the characters and and, and with most Final Fantasies, it takes you on an adventure. And and I've I've found this amongst the fandom because a lot of times and this happens with your first one. Same with Doctor Who, like the first one that takes you on a journey, you will never forget it. You will you will always forgive it, no matter what mistakes it has or what flaws it might have. The first game that takes you somewhere, and this is so important in the JRPG uh, genre, in fantasy in general, where it takes you somewhere that you feel not only connected but understood. You you cannot articulate what that means, and Final Fantasy VII with its young adult 
you know, romance, science fiction, military, like, I mean, honestly, the way I'm saying it makes it sound like a Gundam entry. Well, Miles, um, I, Miles, I have to, t- I have to call you. You did just say seven. Oh, sorry. Eight. <laughs> um, again, have been drinking wine. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, but it, uh, the more I talk about it, it makes it sound like, sound like a Gundam entry, which is why I've always been a little, like, not surprised, but I know that you give me guff because you know I love this game. But there is so much about Final Fantasy VIII that reminds me of the Gundam, the UC Gundam like era, from the I'm uniforms like- to how everything goes. Like, even to... He's not a red rival, but he's certainly a blonde one. Yeah, it's a cipher, cipher. Uh, so always call him cipher, but I don't know what the correct uh, pronunciation so, so this is, is. I mean, this is the thing, gang. These games had no spoken dialogue. I always called him cipher. Miles always called him cipher. You know, I uh, uh, Drew could be right. I don't know. My, I, I really Miles don't. always called her Quistus. I call her Keistus. I I don't know. I called her Kistis because I was taking Spanish classes. <laughs> and that's how you pronounce Q-U-I. <laughs> um, a, a, a great character. Um, but. <laughs> so, but so, so here, here's where I have, I do want to talk about the gameplay mechanics because this is something that I will be honest. I did not appreciate as much at the time. The draw system so not just the draw system the whole guardian force system so yeah, i love it so much so, well so he, let me let me well let me let me have you're, my you're fine my again we're talking here. about a game that i dearly love so yeah, i get it so uh, again i played final fantasy 7 religiously it had a materia system you put a thing in you get the ability what were some of the coolest things that you could get summon materia well, what if I was to tell you that in the next game, they just made the summons the core mechanic of the game? Because that's it. definitely what they did. And I'm pretty sure there are more summons than there were in seven. I didn't do actually do a count. Yeah, there are. Uh, uh, but uh, you have to find them. But I mean, it's still. But they're there. Fun. So but but the other side of that is that I was also very used to, you know, if I was having a hard time in an area. I was just going to go and I was going to spend an hour just power leveling, just going fight after fight after fight just to to get to the next level, to to get that that extra, you know, strength and HP and the ability to to, to handle this this fight, uh, you know, a little bit a little bit later. And uh, well, that doesn't really matter as much in FF8. Uh, because they built this game to go back to some of the same areas fairly frequently. They built this game in a way that every enemy scales to your current level. And there are caps on some enemies where they will never get stronger. Yeah. But for, a, for the most part, leveling up uh, like you would have done in so many other JRPGs just doesn't really matter. And that is something that oh, I mean, I know you're going to you're, I, I, it does, but it doesn't. It, 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 but me, as someone who has gotten the ultimate weapon in disc one, it 100 percent does. <laughs> so 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 but 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 this is where uh, we have to talk about guardian forces, because guardian forces, the, the summons of the game are really how you do everything. And if I have one complaint about 
this game. It's that the menus feel very much like the the mid to late 90s, where if you were to do them today, they would be streamlined to a point that would make the system seem much simpler. Well, and it's a system that I feel like is extremely influential by accident. I, I feel like a lot of RPG systems have used this system since then and perfected it. But I mean, I don't disagree with you. I, 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 the first time I played with it, I was very lost. It, it took me another playthrough to kind of get in tune with it. And it, I mean, it's the same with any, any square system from one to at least 13. It's something you have to learn. Well, and, and, and this is what I would give it. And this is something that I think the the remaster that they came out with a couple of years ago. This is I, I went back to play Final Fantasy eight with that remaster. I haven't finished it. Um, I'm about halfway through because um, this was a four disc game, not a three disc game. Uh, this Unless was a, you had the PC version, which was a six disc game. Ooh. I had that, too. Wow, because uh, when I went to, when I went to to Wofford, where you and I both went, uh, I didn't take my PlayStation, but I certainly took my Final Fantasy VIII PC version, <laughs> which is what I used to play throughout most of freshman year. That's so funny. But so so Guardian Forces, basically, you you level them up with AP, which is different than XP. Uh, exp experience points and there are ways in final fantasy 8 where you can end fights and not gain any experience points but still gain ap to level up your guardian forces so you could go in to you know one of the biggest battles in the game at level 11 which i did recently with a guardian force that is completely maxed out to the point where it has all of its end game abilities and end game power and completely steamroll everything. And that is how you break the game. And that is something that I appreciate. I love figuring out a system and it's, and I, and I, I, the system is not as complex as it seems. It was definitely more complex than I gave it credit for in 1999. And I think that's true for a lot of people that played this game, especially coming off of seven, which I argue is a much simpler system. And Miles and I have had public arguments about this on Discord for all the <laughs> world to see and <laughs> and may and may do so again as early as tomorrow. <laughs> oh, my, my, my problem is not even my problem. My problem itself with that system from seven was that I remember playing it and being like, I was made fun of so much for liking this game. And this system is very similar. And like, it, yes, it's different, but it's not different enough to like, I don't know, bully someone for it. I, 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 in prior games for Final Fantasy, you learned a spell, you had a spell or you put a thing into your into your, you know, equipment and you had a spell in this. There are no magic points. There's no MP. You just draw specific instances of different spells from enemies. And sometimes that would mean that you're fighting a level one globlar or whatever they're called, and you're drawing you're spending each of your three characters every turn they have to get to a hundred fire 
or cure or scan because you not only do you need the spells but the spells so much (laughs) but the spells also factor in you equip the spells in different like stat boosting things on your guardian forces and uh yeah and, and yeah, and, the, and again, the Guardian Forces look very cool. They look super cool. They look better than they ever did in the past. Uh, but it was just one of those things that was different enough that. And again, I blame American fans for this more than I blame Japanese fans, because Japanese fans are more used to Final Fantasy mixing up the the way that the game is played uh, than American fans were who really only had Final Fantasy seven to compare it to. Um, and so uh, I want to talk a little bit about, I mean, I want to, I want to kind of, kind of continue talking about what this game did for me in my teens, because so I, the thing about this game is, I mean, it was a PlayStation game, so it's not something I could take on car rides. It's not something I could do anywhere, but at home. The PS one O N E with its little attachable screen had not come out yet. No. And <laughs> but at the same time, those, because I mean, I would play this game exclusively. I didn't play this game around other people. I play this game when everyone else is asleep in the quiet hours. And this is where I felt like I started to grow as a gamer and as someone who understood narrative. And part of it was the, the romance story that I was being introduced to but also I mean it's a story about someone who is radicalized against the way they're they're the they're brought up and growing up in the south it that that's an extremely important story for someone who thinks a little bit differently from the people around them and I mean it's just it's a game to me that really taught you not taught you, but like just told a story about like, hey, if you see something that's right, stand up for it. And that's the story that was communicated to me in this super fun, super all over the place Japanese RPG. And I understand that it's not the the great tragedy for some people that Final Fantasy VII was. But not to say they didn't have me, some extremely tragic moments. I mean, no, it does. I honestly, to be perfectly honest, I think it has more tragic moments, but that's I'm not I'm not, you know, comparing things. I mean, well, so so I think I mean, the, the, I mean, we can compare things that is allowed. And part of the reason that eight reads better and plays better is that they had more than one person doing the translation because they learned their lesson between seven and eight. <laughs> that, that is true. <laughs> Final Fantasy VIII's translation is way better than sevens. Uh, and so when you have uh, some tragic backstories of some things that happen to certain characters, like Selfie in particular, uh, uh, which is one of, uh, one of the six or seven main characters of this game, you, you have the character that gets the most flack because she's this like happy go lucky character who has the opposite like backstory yeah and and has the opposite uh experience on screen when certain things happen in in the game and who also shares a catchphrase with ali g and nobody gives selfie uh any credit for that uh her her catchphrase is booyaka uh, which is uh, something that I still regularly say. 
uh, and Ali G was always Booyakasha. So I credit Selfie for giving which is, uh, Ali G. Which is the current catchphrase of Michelangelo in Nickelodeon Ninja Turtles. Biakasha became the new Calabunga. That is hilarious. That's very funny. Um, so, so Miles, uh, as we sort of round up here, I I have to share something that is not necessarily a conversation about us growing up with this game and being around this game as a youth. But I have to share a sadness about this game and the state that it can be in today. Okay. That's something that you and I have talked about privately and that so way back in the 1990s, when it came time for, you know, game development to move on to the next thing, you only had so much hard drive space on your servers and backups and things like that. So it was common, common practice to just delete things. So when we talk about these wonderful art pieces of these of these pre-rendered backgrounds uh, of these these wonderful things as you're walking around Balam Garden and you're going into this and that or you're walking around Balam Town even and seeing all this stuff in the background or or when you go to Timber for the first time and that which is Timber feels like a very lived in uh, lived in city and you see all this stuff for the first time all of that art the original art that they had is gone so when they do things like a remaster all they can borrow from is whatever is the highest quality version they have which you mentioned that pc version of final fantasy 8 that's where they pulled all the stuff for the remaster (laughs) from without that version and same thing with final fantasy 7 and final fantasy 9 this was not a unique thing for 8 but it's just 8 in particular i as much as 7 is my favorite final fantasy game Eight has such an incredible style that it hurts my heart to know that there is higher rendered, higher quality renders of all of this art that is just gone because they it's, deleted it's the it. Only, it's the only reason I would, I would honestly like, because ever since Final Fantasy VII Remake has come out, everyone's, everyone's been asking, oh, oh what's going to be the next remake? And the only one of the only reasons I would want a remake of eight in the same way that seven's done is just to see like those locations done the same way. Because even though I didn't grow up a fan of seven, I played seven remake and I felt like I got it. Like I loved these characters. I felt it was the way that a lot of people felt about these characters. And I mean, this, we're not supposed to be talking about seven, but like, I love I love seven remake. And do I want a remake of eight? Like in my heart of hearts, yeah, sure, I'll I'll take it. But like I don't need it. I mean, this is like, I mean this, this is a- that's the same thing I would said about seven remake. I didn't need a remake of seven, but I will certainly take it if you're gonna give it to me. <laughs> Absolutely, because I mean for me, like this game not only kind of gave me got place like i didn't i mean look the young adult genre in fiction was not established yet like you you couldn't go to your bookstore and just pick up the newest young adult book i mean harry potter twilight and percy jackson these things like really helped carve out the space in bookstores for this genre it didn't exist yet i mean 
did certain works exist? Absolutely. But in terms of finding something on this scale that spoke to you, especially as a young person, especially as a young person who was in a weird spot, like I wanted stories that had romance in them and I didn't know how to articulate that because of the of the region of the country that I grew up in. And when I when I played this game and it gave me that I mean it I mean it turned over a whole new arena for me. Like I understood like and it's so wild to think of now cuz you 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 play the original game and you're like, "Oh, this is so basic." You know, it's 1999. Of course, it's so basic. You know, yeah. we, we, we think of things from that, that era being so articulate and so, so succinct and amazing. And it's like, no, the, it's just that these games gave a crap about their narrative. And seeing that from a young mind means the world. Like anyone that cares about narrative. And that, that is what so many of these classic games that we are talking about. It's what Link's Awakening is doing. Link's Awakening gave you a little cutscene and stuff before any Zelda game ever did. It, 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 it like we, I'm, I, there were so many things about Link's Awakening that I forgot to talk about, like the the owl that you meet in so many Zelda games that flies in and talks to you about what you need to do next. That's a Link's Awakening innovation. The bosses in Link's Awakening talk to you more than any boss in any other Zelda game about what's going on. And this and this happening to us in the times that we were Link's Awakening came out when we were in elementary school. Final Fantasy eight. We're in late middle school, early high school. Mm -hmm. We are at these formative moments where we are in. We are, we are finding the types of storytelling, not only that we like, but the storytelling methods that we enjoy mm -hmm. most. And that's that's really where these games and, and there, I, th I think there is a specific reason that the PlayStation one era of JRPGs took off when it did. And it didn't in the Super Nintendo era in the United States. And it did and became one of the core types of games on, the, on the planet and not just in Japan. And I think it's 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 the the three Final Fantasy games on the PlayStation one that did that. I mean, that's true. I mean, so, so in 1999, I am 15 years old, which, you know, is your kind of atypical or is your prototypical, like discovering yourself time. And I can't think of any other game that deals with all of the emotions that a teenager feels in the, I mean, obviously most teenagers don't know what it's go, like going through like a war situation, but at the same time, growing up feels like war. And this game does so much that like, yes, squall is a little bit emotionally stunted, but again, as someone who came from an era, an era and an area that focused on machismo, I can see a character like Squall being reserved and coming into his own and discovering himself. That's what it was like playing him at 15. And you also likely knew 
a number of characters in the real world like Squall's rival, the sort of he's not the big bad of the game, but he's definitely an antagonistic force in Seifer, the person that Squall is in the in a one on one combat arena with at the very opening cutscene of the game where they each give each other a scar on the forehead. As you see, and what's this- wild is like in Squall's group of friends, like <laughs> I think you would say this. I'm certainly the Zell of our, of our friend. I group. mean, like- probably <laughs> you're the Zell. I'm I, if anything, I'm the I'm probably Keistus. I'm a know-it-all. I don't know. You also like the whatever type of like you could easily be a squall. <laughs> I feel like I'm a little less emotionally stunted than our boys squall. Um, That's true. You could be more like a, a Laguna. Which we haven't even which talked we about. We haven't even talked about that, that aspect of it. Because again, we're talking about the games that made us. We're talking about what the games mean to us. And yeah, I mean, this game has everything. You have this kind of psychic time travel and you have, um, I mean, another romance story. You have Star Wars references like you have like two main bad guys who are named after very, I mean, in the expanded universe, popular rebel alliance characters so, so i mean so this is something that is not unique to it's not unique Nate. no no so so the characters that i was talking most about prominent uh it's not the most prominent biggs and wedge are the two characters you're talking about who are yes two enemies that you encounter uh early on in final fantasy no. 8 no throughout final fantasy 8 they sure they continue to pop up biggs and wedge were also in Final Fantasy seven as two members of uh, Barrett's avalanche crew, Biggs, Wedge and Jesse. And uh, fun. Uh, but this this game also features a character named uh, uh, Nita, as in Captain Nita from Empire Strikes Back, the one who lets the Millennium Falcon get away and that Vader um, <laughs> chokes to death on the floor on the uh, deck of the executor and uh, also a character that that in america was named martine but in uh in other regions was named dodonna as in general dodonna the uh the uh general on the yavin 4 base uh that is uh calls princess leia princess leah and talks and gives them the the rundown of the death star attack before the death star attack in a new hope um Star Wars. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's funny. Uh, we're, we're talking about this. I also want to mention that um, we, uh, Drew had had talked a little bit earlier about the phenomenal symphonic score that is part of this game, and it is certainly for for me iconic. I judge most video game scores because of this game it was the first i mean i've always enjoyed video game music but this is the first time like my first symphonic concert was the dear friends concert in atlanta in (laughs) 2005 and where at the time that there was an ongoing contest between one wing and angel and liberi fatale from final fantasy 8 because they played them both to raucous applause then they encored them both. And then they said, oh, what, what do you hear? want to hear one more time? Which I was like, oh, neither. We've heard them both twice. 
But so one more time we heard one angel because of obviously that that was the most popular choice. But sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it's a I, gr- it's a great track. We must like honestly, I prefer uh, Liberty Fatale. I, I personally think it's a better song, but they're also both phenomenal songs because uh, that composer does not miss. And being able to have more of a symphonic track is weirdly important because there are i mean the overall theme of final fantasy 8 to like blue fields for for the beginning of that thing like that plays in my head forever like Uh, i I will all i mean i listen to the piano version that song to help me fall asleep i cannot think of final fantasy 8 without the balam garden theme uh popping up in my head as just such a relaxing it's just a relaxing thing to just kind of have on. It's it's that and the Costa del Sol theme from Final Fantasy VII that I think are the two most relaxing songs in Final Fantasy history and maybe and, video gaming uh, history. Again, Uematsu does not miss. He's one of the greatest video game composers of all time. And I feel like part of the impact of that game was his music. And I, I didn't want to stop this podcast without talking about that a little bit because as much as i as this game means to me from a narrative standpoint from a gameplay standpoint because it taught me how to be an rpg fan it also taught me how to appreciate the music and i mean because i have bought this album several times like before i could actually stream this stuff i had physical japanese imports of this music because it was so important to me i mean i did i i had a friend who uh didn't have a playstation and bought the final fantasy 7 soundtrack even though he'd never played the game because we would not shut up about that game like we live in a time when I can go onto my phone right now and on all of the different streaming services, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Music, etc. I can find the soundtrack to every Final Fantasy game, including like the the orchestrated uh, like like some of the the like you mentioned the dear friends concert, some of the orchestrated mm-hmm. concerts that they've put out, you can go and download those orchestrated versions of the soundtracks too. Oh, I ha- I have that. I have that on vinyl. <laughs> my, my children know Roman numeral. Well, some Roman numerals, the easy Roman numerals, because they are in the car with me and final fantasy music will pop up and they will ask what the num what, what the letters mean. And now they know <laughs> they basically know four through nine uh as <laughs> that, that is great and, well, and i think uh krista loves the music from seven and eight and i mean you know her she is a hundred percent the renoa to my squall and <laughs> does I mean, she launch very, dogs i mean she would a hundred percent so long as they were safe um that's a big that's a big that's, that's, that's a big, big caveat ass, but there. like if you had a weapon and it could be a a, a cute pupper that that would 100 percent be her choice um but she <laughs> we, I, I will be driving and listening to some of this music and she's like this is so gorgeous like i want to watch you play this game and i'm like mm, we don't have that much time and like i i mean throughout the last 15 years of my life i cannot 
And I don't even know if I've told Drew this. I can't get through the opening of this game without crying because mm-hmm. it means that much to me. See, like, I, 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 I love to hear that. Uh, I, I do because it's, it's, it's something that like, especially in the last few years where we have had just some really difficult times as a people, People. as 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 a <laughs> as a species as <laughs> as you know i'm not gonna you know we 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 are still going through some of that stuff even today when it seems like we, things are getting better uh in some ways they are getting much worse in other ways um that that we have these moments that we can return to to remind us of our own humanity to remind yeah. to to remind us of of the things who made us who we are and connect us to some other facet of humanity that we have never met whether that's a song written by an artist that you've never seen before whether it's i mean in this case a game made by people from a different country from a different era than we are within like for at least 10 years older than us if not more uh written by other people translated by other people somebody put together this model somebody put together that model somebody put together this this structure and somebody created this background that's happening like there are so many people that were involved in the creation of these these moments that that even just open this game and to and and i i think that they would be moved to know that it's it still brings an overwhelming amount of emotion to to someone on this planet it it, it absolutely does like i i have not played the switch remaster yet um i want i'm, I'm like i have friends who like oh i play this game every year and i i can't do that with with as big games as final fantasy 8 that's why i wish there was like a novel or an anime i could just like watch and get my <laughs> fill of that story um because i love it so much and honestly square what are you doing start adapting your stories um, i just want a cutscene viewer can i just get a cutscene viewer like that's all i want no i want i want i want an adaptation um like i, I honestly when Kingdom Hearts brought out David Boreanaz in 2002 at playing Leon or whatever, but playing Squall, I was like, this is exactly who I would have thought of like at yeah. the time. By I think the, by perfect the, casting. By the no way, I, I cannot believe that that was 99 to 2002. That was three years. And you have to, you have to factor wild. in probably less than that because they probably started the production of kingdom hearts <laughs> earlier yeah but i mean this this game does mean a tremendous amount for me so like for me to like start to replay it and I, I definitely want to play it in a situation where i can kind of like kind of breeze through it and what i've seen of, of the remaster is nice and i have it on three different systems now i have it on pc ps5 and switch so i can easily play it at any time I, I want but i i don't know if you you're the same way as me drew like sometimes when it comes to a game that i have a massive 
adoration of like i just i just savor it for certain times like i don't i don't play it all the time so so this is one that it it becomes a matter of of where i am and what i'm doing and for example spoiler warning for uh the end of the show i'm on vacation next week um we may do a show later in the week we may not um but what I am going to be doing is spending 12 hours in a car, six hours to get there, six hours to get back. What this Nintendo Switch is very good for is playing specific types of games. And one game that I have been really, I mean, the last week is like, yeah, I got to get back to this is Final Fantasy VIII. Because I, when the remaster came out, I dove in head first to that remaster. And then I did what I always do. And I looked at a guide and trying to get the quote, perfect game, unquote. And I just got bogged down in side quests to the point where I'm not ex- even exactly sure where I am in the story anymore. Uh, but in doing research for this episode, remembering, oh, yeah. This story goes some places that I do not remember. Um, <laughs> like uh, Adel uh, is a is a character that I had completely forgotten about. Oh, uh, not me. That is extremely uh, extremely uh, important to to this game. Um, but that is something that I may spend a little time with. I may also start another Final Fantasy VII playthrough because, but but again, this is the other thing is that in some times, in some cases, what I like to do with games like this is I like to play to a certain point because I get the the super familiar and and Final Fantasy VIII is one of those that I can absolutely see because there is a point where that game takes a little bit of a change. I don't think it's a bad change. I just think it's a change in the way that you the direction that you think that game is going and and i i I think seven does some of that and and i think uh but and i i oddly don't think nine is a game that fits into that because it kind of jumps around too much but but i could absolutely see spending a lot of time in the early parts of ff8 because it's just i mean the first disc of ff8 is undefeated as far as i'm concerned um, cause I mean, you, you go until you're supposed to assassinate Adia and then you pop into your first time jump at the end of that disc. Oh, I really like, but like, I, 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 I mean, I, I get what you're feeling because like the thing about, and also the, the I mean, honestly, this era square, because like, I, like I said, I, this is for me, eight was my, my big one, but like. If you're looking at this company, like this was a company at the time that was like six is a, a unmitigated classic. Seven is an unmitigated classic. Eight is an unmitigated classic. Nine as well. It's I mean, honestly, I know there's a lot of love for 10. and I don't dislike 10, but like it's 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 got a kind of a little bit more of a murky um spot in history but people do seem to really like it a I mean, lot I, so, so i mean again we could do but a whole like it, we could do a whole thing about final it, fantasy 10 it's a time I, period where like square was just like producing amazing story after amazing story like six all, seven eight nine ten like they're all great stories if only that movie hadn't come out oh. i mean we talked about that movie it's got it's got some it's got some stuff yeah but it also caused uh <laughs> <laughs> i get it i get it i get it yeah 
but but and this is the weird thing is like for the ps1 era and final fantasy VIII, i i could easily go on for hours and hours and i know that drew i know you and i know our listeners do not have that kind of time so i know i have to tie it up i know i probably wasn't as succinct in what this game means to me as you were last week in what was one of my favorite episodes of the morning nerd for a long time um and that's not speaking badly about the, the show i just i had a great conversation with you no, and i had was, a good conversation tonight so so but, but but this is but this is where i want to kind of talk about things a little bit and as 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 we've sort of had a natural progression when it comes to the games that made us and that the first game that made us that that i brought up was something that happened to me very early in life elementary school you know early middle school just sort of learning that now we're moving into like i was a uh a freshman or sophomore in high school when when final fantasy 8 came out i was you know i'm i'm older i've got a different perspective when this game comes out and i've my I, i'm a different person then than i was before and that's where we're going to take the next game and this is something that we did not anticipate this being kind of the 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 flow of how we were going to handle this topic but this this next game is is one that i'm picking and like i said it may be end of next week it may not be until the next week so if you don't get an episode next week it's because i just needed a break um and 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 this the this next game is one that hit me at a very important time in my life um it is a game that I made a connection with my wife. I didn't mean to rhyme that, <laughs> uh, but we are going to talk about a game that is, 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 has had some, some tumultuous recent years, but was much more beloved in its early days. Uh, World of Warcraft. Uh, the, the 2004 release of World of Warcraft and how that impacted me in particular um because uh it's it's a game that i have not played in a very long time but it's a game that will always hold a special place in my heart uh for a number of reasons outside of the game itself um but i'm interested to talk about this from an even slightly older perspective as as far as 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 we go here which which like I said, I didn't anticipate this being how we were going to handle this, but it's kind of kind of interesting, kind of kind of. Yeah, we, we had talked idea. about this and you're like, oh, we'll see. And like, you're like, oh, yeah, we're going to definitely talk about this. Yeah, no, this is I'm 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 into this now. I'm into this. So like we said, that is going to be it for tonight. Uh, if you would like to find us, you can find us at the where you can find this and every other episode. You can find us at Facebook.com slash the nerd. You can tweet to us at the nerd and you can email us the nerd at gmail.com. That's the more you nerd at gmail.com until then we end this show as we always do with a rousing nerd, nerd. ouch whatever <laughs> <laughs>